Dear Heavenly Father, all throughout the Bible, you have called the people to be your own property. You have called the people that you wanted to make priests and servants. And so, Lord, we have accepted this call and we have come before you this morning. And I ask, Father, that as we gather here this morning, that the presence of the Holy Spirit will be manifested and be felt. That we may, Lord, have a, a service that will bring honor and glory to you. And not to ourselves. I ask, Lord, that as we open up scripture, that we may be humble to approach this holy book. That the Holy Spirit who assisted the biblical authors will also assist us now to understand the message you have for us. I ask you, Lord, that you may cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, that you, may, that you may, Lord, purify my tongue and my lips, that everything that I will say here will be tempered with your love and will be carried in a way, Lord, that will bring glory and honor to you. Help us be humble and uh, open this morning to listen to your voice and your voice only. May your angels surround us here in this building. May your angels keep the evil angels far from here. May they fight that battle while we are protected here and guarded for your honor and glory. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I am, I am quite positive that all of you, as I have in the past, played a game that in English I understand is called Broken Telephone, right? And, uh, uh, and so you get some people together and the first person will say a sentence or a short sentence to the second person and they will carry it and you have to actually kind of hush and uh, you carry that message around, and when you come to the end of the line, it's usually very different from what, from what it was in the beginning. Even if you were to come with a sentence like printed on paper, and you come to the person and say, this is what you're going to read, and you're going to say to the next person, even if they read it, exactly what was written there, once the message keeps going around, it will certainly come to the end very different from what was written. And so I believe that at many times in our lives, we have also misunderstood things or we have heard things that were not exactly what they were supposed to be. And uh, in the beginning of the Christian church, in the early uh, Christian church in the first century, uh, there are many, many people who outside of the church believed in things that the Christians did not believe in. And that's all right, because they were outside of the church. They didn't have all the knowledge. Many people had different ideas, for example, in regard to Jesus Christ. Some people believed that Jesus Christ was not really God. That Jesus Christ was not fully human. Some people believed that God was, Jesus was kind of a lesser God. That God the Father, because He is unreachable... He doesn't really care much about what's going on here. He would have sent this lesser God called Jesus to be in charge of things here. All of those different ideas popped up. But once they started creeping into the church, that became the real problem. And the apostles wanted to make sure that the truth, as they had known in Jesus, would be preached. 
and would be carried over. And so John, the beloved disciple, John was certainly, most certainly the last disciple to, to die. The last surviving disciple. And he spent all the energy he had in his later years. All the resources he had. All the commitment he had to preach Jesus as he had known him. And John had to face a lot of heresies that were trying to pervade the church. And he would preach and say, no, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so he said that this Word, Jesus, he came and became flesh and he dwelt among us. And he preached and he wrote and he revealed to people around him who Jesus was. And in the book of Revelation, it's no different. Because if you come to the book of Revelation, right at the top, you see that the book starts with the sentence, the revelation of whom? Of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. There are many things in the book of Revelation that point to events that had not happened at the time of John. Some events that happened between John and our time. And in the book of Revelation, we also find things that will still happen in the future. But at the basis of it all, at the bottom of it, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if we are not able to see Jesus in the book of Revelation, we are taking the wrong approach. We must see Jesus and see Jesus glorified in the book of Revelation. And so John, in his later years... <clears throat> He was isolated. He was shipped, sent to the island of Patmos uh, in the Aegean Sea in the Mediterranean. And John is there, isolated all by himself. And in that island, he received a few visions. He received a vision of heaven. And the Bible says in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, beginning in chapter 4, that John had this vision and he saw an open door. And someone came up to him, a heavenly being, and said, Come, come, and I'm going to show you the things that are yet to be. And John came through that open door, and he had this dazzling vision. He saw the throne of God. And he saw God the Father sitting there on the throne, and four living creatures worshiping him, 24 elders, all the holy angels, praising and worship the one who is sitting at the throne. And then John hears something in chapter 5, according to the scripture reading we, we heard this morning. John saw that in the, in the hand of God the Father, in the right hand, there was a scroll. Some Bible versions will say it was a book. It was a scroll, uh, as the books they had at the time, it was a scroll. And so in that scroll, that scroll, John noticed that it was written inside and out, on the back as well. And that scroll had seven seals on it. So to be able to open the scroll and read what was in there, you would have to be able to open the seven seals to remove them, to make the contents of the scroll available. And then John hears an, an angel come and proclaim with a loud voice and say, Who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy to, re worthy to remove the seals and open the book? And guess what? No one, no one stepped up and said, I am. I am willing to do that. No one. You might think of Moses who was there in heaven. 
Moses, who has been in heaven for millennia, Moses was not able to open the book. You might think of Elijah, who was translated in a chariot of fire, but Elijah was not able to, was not worthy to open the, the scroll. You might think of Enoch. You might think of the four living creatures. You might think of the 24 elders. You might think of all the holy angels. No one of them, none of them was able, was worthy to open the book and remove the seals. No creature whatsoever in the entire universe, after hearing the angel claim, proclaim who is worthy, no single creature was ever worthy to stand up and say, I am worthy or I am willing to do that. And so what is the scroll? What is this scroll that no one felt worthy, no one felt able to open? And that's the scroll of Revelation chapter 5 that was in the hand of God the Father who was sitting on the throne. This is the scroll of God's everlasting covenant. This is the scroll where the history of the nations and of humanity and the interactions of God with humanity have been recorded right there. Every single act, every single action towards the salvation of humanity. Every response of nations, every response of human beings toward God's love, whether positively or negatively. All of that has been recorded that there in that scroll that God was holding there. And it was sealed. You know, as you look at the background of the Old Testament, you look at the, this event... With the background of the Old Testament, you realize that in the Old Testament, when a king was enthroned in the people of Israel, he was handed not only the crown, but he was also handed the book of the covenant, the scroll of the covenant. And it was the king's responsibility from time to time, not only read the scroll for himself, but proclaim it to the nation so that they would walk in the ways of the Lord. But unfortunately, more kings than, than not were not faithful to this high sacred responsibility. And so we saw that the people of Israel went downhill spiritually until eventually they were taken captives to Babylon. But here is God holding this scroll. The scroll of the everlasting covenant. And Ellen White says in the manuscript releases, uh, volume 9, letter 65... Uh, this was written in 1898. It says that there in his open hand, in the hand of God, lay the book, the role of history of God's providences, the prophetic history of nations in the church. Herein was contained the divine utterances, his authority, his commandments, his laws, the whole symbolic counsel of the eternal and the history of all ruling powers in the nations. In symbolic language was contained in that role, the influence of every nation, tongue, and people from the beginning of earth's history to its close. All of that was inscribed in that scroll. And no one, no one had the right to approach the Father and take the scroll from His hand and attempt to open it. There must be someone who has royal Lineage. There must be someone who was going to be a, the perfect king. 
out of the descendants of David, someone must be able to stand up and say, I am pure and perfect and holy and able and worthy to open the scroll. But as John heard that question, the Bible says that John wept. And he wept and he wept. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. And so you might ask, why, why was John weeping? He was weeping because of the things he heard. He was weeping because the angel stood up and proclaimed, who is worthy? Now I, I assume that the angel knew that no one was worthy. Well, the angels knew because the angels live close to God. And so the question that the angel is asking is almost as if he's saying, who dare open this book? Who dares open this book? Who is worthy? And no one said anything. And John wept. John was sad. What John was hearing saddened him. What John heard at that moment made him really sad and, and uh, discouraged. And maybe you, my brother, my sister, my friend, maybe you have heard things in life that have also discouraged you. Maybe you have heard things in life that have put you down. Maybe you, you came to the doctor and you heard the diagnosis that you were not looking for. And you were let down. Maybe you applied for a job, you did your best, you came to the interview, and you were so sure you are going to get the job, but then you hear a no. I am sorry, unfortunately, we didn't choose you. Maybe you have heard many things in life. Maybe you have heard mocking comments about your physical appearance in the past. Maybe you've been bullied when you were younger. Maybe you were bullied now when, even as an adult. Maybe people have walked out on you. Maybe someone have, has walked out on you when you needed them the most. Maybe people have said mean things to you. Maybe someone came up to you and said, you are never ever going to succeed in life. Or maybe just the other opposite. Maybe someone came to you saying the nicest things. And they said those nicest things for a while, only for you to eventually realize that all they wanted was to use you and to abuse you. But they didn't mean it. You may have been, said, may have been told many different things that have put you down. And maybe you found yourself in the same situation as John was here. And so if you've been there, you can understand why John was weeping. Was weeping because he heard something that led him really sad. Led him really down. And he was sad that no one was worthy and able to open the scroll. But that's not the only thing that saddened John. There was something else. After the angel proclaims, Who is worthy to open the scroll to remove its seals? There was something else right after that that left John really sad. What was that? It was silence. Because no one, no one dared say, I can open the scroll. That total, total silence, absolute silence was, was saddening for John. And as silence takes place there in heaven in that vision, John starts to weep. And the Bible says, some versions say that he wept much. Other versions say that he wept loudly. I know that John wept. 
And maybe you have wept as well. Maybe you have faced silence in your life when you were expecting the voice of someone else. Maybe there is a family member who for years has refused to even talk to you. And maybe you are looking for contact with that person, but they will never give you a chance. And that silence is killing you. Maybe you have prayed prayers to God asking for for something that's really dear to you, really needed in your life. But apparently God has chosen the way of silence. And you weep and you think, why Lord, why Lord? I want to tell you this this morning. There is never a tear that is shed. There is never a tear that drops from your eyes that God will never notice. He will always notice that. And He will always comfort you. I remember, and I'm sure you remember as well, when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. And the, the first day of the week in the morning. And she was looking for Jesus. And, and she realized that Jesus was no longer there. And she sees two angels and she asks about Jesus. Or rather, they ask her what you're looking for. And Mary says, I'm looking for... For him, for my Savior. And the angels say, well, he's no longer here. And then she turns and she sees a man that she supposes is the gardener. And, and she turns to the man and says, well, if you have taken him and put him somewhere, please tell me because I want to go see him. And the Bible says that she was weeping. Because she wanted to see Jesus, but she was not able to. The Bible records that Jesus is the one who turns to her and says, Why are you, are you weeping? And so God will always notice your tears. God will always notice when you're weeping for whatever reason it may be. It will not go unnoticed. And in the case of John, John is weeping of sadness, but that does not go unnoticed because God provided the comfort. The Bible says that one of the 24 elders turns to John and says, Weep not. Stop weeping. In other words, why are you weeping? Do not weep because the root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he prevailed, he conquered, he overcame, and he is worthy to open the scroll and remove the seals. And so at first, this is what John heard. He hears that there is a, a root of David or the sprout of David. And who is also called the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, I read the story the other day of someone who received from his wife a special gift around Christmas time. And it was a nice picture, a nice wall picture that had a lion and a lamb sitting together, laying together lying together. And they were uh, in the company of each other. And they were peacefully with each other. And that's a picture that, you know, some people uh, apparently bring that from the Bible. But there is actually nothing in the Bible saying that the lion will be with the lamb. The Bible says in Isaiah that the wolf will be with the lamb. And the lion will be with the cattle. Uh, but maybe we can assume that they will all be together without harming each other. But I'm saying this to highlight the fact that there is only one place in Scripture 
There is only one passage in scripture where the lion and the lamb are actually together. And they are together in one person. It's one and the same. It's Jesus Christ. And it's right there in Revelation 5 where the lion of the tribe of Judah is also called the lamb. And so this is what John hears. He hears that the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to remove the the seals and open the scroll. This is what he hears. And if you think about it, at any time John might be thinking, at any time this lion will show up to open the scroll. That may sound as a terrifying thought, that a lion will show up in the room, that a lion will show up right here and remove the scroll from the hand of God. But even though this is what John hears, the Bible says that he looks toward the throne and what he sees is something different. He sees what? He sees a a lamb. That's what he sees. The Bible says that he looks up to the throne and he sees a lamb. And I guess the lamb had been there all the time, but John hadn't noticed him. The lamb was there, a lamb that looked as if he had been slain. But he was well and alive. And he's standing there in the midst of it all. In the midst of the four living creatures. In the midst of the 24 angels. Between all of them and the throne of God. This lamb is standing there and he is worthy to open the scroll. He is the one who goes and takes the scroll from the hand of the father. And prepares to open it. And so John's heart is comforted. Because finally, he realizes that the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah that John heard about and the innocent lamb of God that John sees, the lamb who was slain but now lives, they are one and the same. And so my friends, I tell you today that the Bible has predicted that in this world you will have what? Tribulation. But take heart, because Jesus overcame the world, and so can we. John 16, 33. This thing of hearing something and seeing something else is biblical. It's God's plan for you. You may be hearing many things in this life. You may be hearing many discouraging things in this life. But God is inviting you to look beyond that and to see something more promising. The Bible says in Philippians 3.20 that our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. From where we await and expect the saving Lord Jesus Christ to come. And so you may be hearing many discouraging things. People may try to put you down. But we ought to look beyond this. We ought to look up to the throne of God. Jesus said in Matthew 24.6. He had his disciples uh, close to him. And he, one of the things he said in his sermon to the disciples in Matthew 24 was this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see that you are not alarmed. Because this is not the end yet. And so you will hear of wars. You will hear of problems. You will hear many things. Many discouraging things. But see that you are not alarmed. Look up. Look to the throne of God. From where your help is supposed to come. And so whatever you may hear. Whatever you may be told. Whatever it may be. Remember to lift up your eyes toward God's throne. Look up. 
Look up and you will not be alarmed. Because God's promise is faithful in the Bible. Lift up your eyes. Direct your gaze toward heaven. And you will see the Lamb. The only one who is worthy to take the scroll and open its seals in Revelation 5.9. The one who was slain and by his blood he ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. My friends, the enemy has a a vast, a huge repertoire of lies and deception to mislead you, to discourage you, to put you down. He has a lot of deception to think you are doing God's will when you may be not. So I plead with you, do not fall for that. Keep in mind that the enemy is already defeated. You may hear his lies every day, but through the eyes of faith you can look up to heaven where the Lamb is and from where your help comes from. God has the promise of restoring things to the way they were before. And when we look to the Bible, you see right there in the book of Revelation that God has promised that to him who overcomes, they will have a place in the paradise of God. The paradise that we as a human race, we have lost. But God in his mercy and love, he is going to restore it. He is going to restore us into being able to live in that paradise forever. May the Lord bless us today to reaffirm, to recommit our lives to Him. And to be sure that His promises are true. And that He will indeed fulfill His promises. And will come one day and take us to live with Him forever and ever. God bless you all.